August 17, 2021. Swap for Pedro Show.
Pedro Show. Happy Tuesday. Started off John Coltrane doing Equinox. And then we had Andy Chernoff. Excuse me, sir. Wow, what'd you do? Just fart? No, man. I'm here. <laughs> My imaginary friend. That's from Andy Chernoff. And people, you can tell I'm not man alone because of the wonders of those Estonian software engineers with their Skype invention, I got Mr. Adney Sheridoff. How you doing? Welcome aboard, brother. An absolute brother. pleasure to be with you, Mike. And are you talking to me from... Man an honor, an honor and a pleasure. Are you talking to me from Manhattan? No, I moved out of New York. I'm living upstate New York. I'm a country boy. Wow, what town? Um, It's, it's not even a town. It's a hamlet called Mount Tremper. It's about how 10 you, minutes from stock. How do you spell that? Mount, M-O-U-N-T, <laughs> space T-R-E-M-P-E-R. It's beautiful. T beautiful. T-R-E-Tremper. T-R-E-M-P-E-R. Okay. Well, there's there's a tradition now of people leaving the city and going up the river, huh? Hudson Valley, right? That's what that's called. Well, e Hudson, yes, Hudson Valley, but it's people of a certain age, you know? 
I'm at retirement age, so okay. <laughs> ready for a little different lifestyle. I think Levon Helm ended up in Woodstock. Oh yeah, yeah, he's yeah, he, he's uh, I see I've been to his barn many times, see concerts. There's a, one of the main roads going into Woodstock is called Levon Helm Highway, so uh, he's a hero. He's a hero to me, too. I always like the way he played drums and sang. Let's talk about your journey through music, though, Adney. Please bring your earliest musical recollection. Earliest? Okay. Earliest musical recollection is my parents playing the Weavers and Pete Seeger in in our apartment. And where was this? This is in Jackson Heights. I grew up in an apartment, a two-bedroom apartment, me and my brother and my parents. And my parents uh, were, I wouldn't say they were beatniks, but they leaned a little bit towards that. You know, they were uh, beatnik adjacent. And they liked the Weavers. And they uh, uh, leaned a bit left in the politics. And my first memory is the Weavers on the record player, plus uh, um, uh, uh, West Side Story also. I remember hearing that. Mr. Okay, uh, little, what about instruments? Was there instruments in this apartment? Oh, yes, yes. Piano, guitars. And your parents could play? Your brother could play? Oh, well, I was the older brother. Uh, my uh, uh, my aunt was a music teacher. My mother's mother played uh, violin and piano. Uh, she died when very young. My mother, My mother was young. And my mother sang, played guitar, and my uncle uh, played piano and sang in choirs. It was, there was music in my house all the time. I was wow. always around music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you ever jump on that piano? All the time. I still do. I love playing piano. Yeah, but I'm, I'm trying to like get the Wayback Machine going here. So, did you have to go through the lessons thing? ha. <laughs> First, my parents tried to get me to take clarinet lessons. I took about a few, and I said, it's not for me. Then they got me to take piano lessons. And my piano teacher was Arnold Friedman from the movie Capturing the Friedmans. You ever see that movie? No, but I know about it. Yeah. The guy was uh, 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 accused of molesting children, and he was my piano teacher. And, and, And like Ishmael, you lived to tell the tale. I lived till till. He never tried anything, okay. but I stopped. I stopped taking piano lessons with him. He was, this might be an interesting little tale. He used to give me music to popular tunes, and I. I but the music wasn't really. I could, it wasn't accurate, so I played it my own way, which I thought was more like the way the re- the record sounded, basically improvising around the melody. And he was going, well, but that's not what the that's not what the sheet music says. But <laughs> yeah, the sheet music is wrong. So anyway, I did about maybe ten lessons with him, and then I quit. <laughs> you know, there's a, there's a parallel to that. Like if you go search the internet for lyrics, and you find the most like Blue Oyster Cult, right? And I find the most interesting guesses at what they were actually saying. I know everything true. on the internet is supposed to be true, but yeah, maybe it's like that sheet music. You learned early to be a little skeptical. Yes, I did. So, can I, I ask you about school? Were you in the choir sure. or the marching band or shit like that? No, no, no. Not my, not my, uh, my elementary school didn't have that. Okay. I, I was all sports. 
okay. in elementary school. Okay. Because Can I ask I, you this? What was the well, wait, let me let me let me just a, a little bit more. Okay. All sports, including Johnny Thunders, who attended my elementary school at the, in the same grade. So Johnny wanted to be a baseball player, right? He was an athlete. Yes. Little, little I small, though. Little small. Yeah, yeah. But he was he was he he played sports in the schoolyard with everybody else. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. I, I've read about that. It was a dream of his. You know, I loved his guitar playing and stuff. It's a tragedy. Oh, me too. Let me let yeah. me ask you about the first record you bought with your own money. First record I ever bought with Beach Boys today. California. Yes, now, I love know, the Beach Boys. You know, and I love the dog. You know, they didn't live on the beach here about ten, eleven miles away. I know. I one time I was out there. I not visited too far. Their not too far. They were in Hawthorne. Yeah, where the Red Cross guys grew up. Because right. uh, Steve McDonald always liked to make a joke. <laughs> but anyway, they had an incredible father, right, Murray? Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> incredible. Is that, is that the word you want to use? Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, the recordings, you know, of a Brian, like, uh, holding his ear. Hey, Battleship, right? Because he's hollering. What, what about the first gig you went and saw, Andy? First gig? Um, well, oh, damn it. Um, you know, I was seeing there were a lot of bands used to play locally in clubs. Yeah. I remember um, it's a lot from Pedro show. There's no hard questions, there's no wrong answers. Yeah, I was seeing local bands and my friends played in local bands. I wasn't in bands as as a kid. I think it was uh the Fillmore East, which was uh uh Procol Harum ten years after and um I can't remember the other band. But it was probably it was, the Robin Trower Procol Harum. Um, no, Robin already left. Wow. I think. Okay, so because I think you're around my age. Maybe you're a little older though. I'm a little bit older than you. Yeah, yeah I was born in '57. Yeah, I'm a few years older okay, than you. Okay, so that was it. Was just a guess. It, like my pop said, you know, when you assume you make an ass out of you and me. So I'm sorry. You gave me this uh, tune here. Some dictators. You gave me a few dictators. And uh, let's get the band back together. I'm going to play that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
Show start off that chunk of music with the dictators doing let's get the band back there with Albert Bouchard on drums. I was just enlightened to that fact, people. Thank you, Ed. Bronze Age Drufo after that from Baltimore with part B3, their Lagoon Monster Rubber Mass Volume 2. Tom Retchion, SoCal Free Music LA Free Music Society Meister with uh, Drishti Point. Then Wharton Tears used to have Fun City there in Manhattan. And uh, I got to record a Bobby Dylan song with uh, Bob Quine. Freeze Out. Vision of Joanne. And Lee Ronaldo, Steve Shelley. Totala from uh, Swiss, uh, Italian part of Switzerland. Almost fucked that up. Tenebra. Ray Shin. Uh, with fireproof box, uh, the big high to Larry up in Southern Oregon, and then finally dictators. Who will save rock and roll? Who's the drummer man there? That was J.P. Patterson. On that oh, one. okay, yeah, he's the. So, 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 look, you you said something last uh, spiel. Getting into bands. Wait, how did that happen? Or 
you know, you 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 leave clarinet, you leave piano, you, somehow you get on bass. Um, I was writing. I was like a uh, I had a fanzine called Teenage Wasteland Gazette, and I was friends with Arm, Richard Meltzer and Lester Bangs. Oh, I love Richard Meltzer. I never got to. And they used to, me, they used to give me work writing, like for magazines. Um, uh, one day, Ross the Boss, uh, who was playing in a band called Total Crud, comes up to me and says, I'm going to leave this my band, the band Total Crud. I want to start a new band. And I go, I'll play bass. I didn't own a bass. <laughs> <laughs> I never played bass before in my life. All right. And we said, We'll get Scott Kempner to play guitar. And Scott Kempner owned the guitar, but he'd never been in a band before. So, uh, <laughs> and that's how Dictator started. And then we went through 10 million drummers, you know. Right. And then what about Singer Man? And then I was singing on the first album. Yeah, and then right. we got Manitoba. He's more of a, of a, of a uh, guy who likes the attention, yeah. you know. Uh, for me, I don't care. I don't care if people pay attention to me. Were you, you know, guys like called, were you called dictators right from the beginning? Oh, we went through a whole bunch of names like uh, uh, Cancer the Penis, uh, Tommy the Truck. Um, what all the names to go through? I can't remember. We, we settled on the dictators. Can, sounded, can, sounded you like remember, our, can you remember the first gig you guys did? I do. You want to hear about it? Bring it. We opened up for the Blue Oyster Cult. Whoa. And Iggy Whoa. and the Stooges Whoa. at Prince George Community College. Very first gig. First time ever on stage for me. Wow. Unbelievable. <laughs> How'd that happen? We were managed by Sandy Perlman. Ah, and he would, the OC man. And he would get us gigs. And that was our first gig. Wow. And then now how'd that gig go? Uh, <laughs> well... I, I wouldn't say the audience liked us, but I also wouldn't say the audience hated us. I think they just felt sorry for us because we were so incompetent. <laughs> and by that, you mean what? You didn't finish any tunes? or No, we finished everything. We oh, did our set. Yeah. Probably did, you know, maybe half hour. You know, but I don't remember applause or booze or anything. They, they just ignored us. That's my memory. Oh, wow. <laughs> and how old were you? Uh, let me see. That was probably 1974. I was like 20 years old. Wow. Okay. 20 years old. How old me and D Boom were when we started Minutemen? Yeah. Uh, so with that, so, so would you call that the gig of success then? Um, I call it, uh, dipping your toe in the water. Okay. So what happened after that? Now, now let me ask you about the material. Material. Did you write most of that stuff? I wrote everything, yeah. Whoa. <clears throat> I wrote everything. Uh, early on in the band, I said, gee, we got to get a, a Pete Townsend or something in this band if we want to really make it. And I said, wait, I could be Pete Townsend. And I started writing songs. So you never wrote songs before that, right? Oh, you did. No. Well, you re reinterpreted songs from that sheet music. Yeah, I, I would I would strum a guitar and I would put on a record. I try to figure out the solo, but I I never been in a band. I had never written songs, and I you know barely even 
completed, you know, covering songs in my in my room <laughs> with my acoustic guitar. Okay, okay. And then the other cats, uh, they weren't they weren't volunteering themselves up for that uh, mission. <clears throat> I think I just took to it a little quicker than they did. I mean, they eventually Scott became a great songwriter and Ross writes songs all the time. Uh -huh. But uh, I think I just grabbed it a little earlier, got inspired a little earlier than they did. And they like my songs. They're very happy to play my songs. So, you know, we just, you know, everybody just went, went along with it. Now, you said first album. How'd that come about? Uh, you know, what do you call it? The record deal or something? We were, we were living in this house, a farmhouse in Crohansen, New York. It was $150 a month. So it wanted to, one, one pot deal and, and the rent was paid. And we set up in the living room. Everybody had a, a big bedroom. And we just sort of hung out and played every day, went through a bunch of drummers. At some point, we had a bunch of songs, and we invited Sandy Perlman and Richard Meltzer to come up and see us. They come up, Sandy Perlman saw something. I don't know what the hell he saw, <laughs> but he said, I'm gonna, I want to manage you guys. I want to get you a deal. He got us a deal within months. Wow. Now, you guys... Um, you were just too early. Doing, you were just Wait, doing kind of a local. It was too quick. You're saying? Yeah, we could. We should have. He should have said, "Hey, let's get you out there playing." But the problem was, there's no place to play in New York. I, this this is was what this is what I was going to say because you guys are in the because me and D Boone live this our whole teenage life. It's fucking arena rock. There's no club scene. Right. It's a nightmare. If you if you played covers. There were gigs. Oh, yeah, yeah, for that if, shit, yeah. You Talk did original it. songs, you had a hard time finding right, a place to play. Right, Fucking people don't know about that, you know, because the movement changed so much, but they, it was a fucking desert, man. It was bullshit. Because I was going to ask if you guys, were you just regional or did you go out on any tours? Uh, there was a club opened up in Queens called Coventry. It was a glam rock club. I've read Dolls about it. Dolls played there. Kiss played there. Right. right. Uh, there were all these bands, local New York bands that were not that great played there. And we played there, and we wore, you know, leather jackets, jeans, sneakers, you know. And in the audience, a little bit of, a little higher, their heads above anybody else, was Joe Ramon at all our shows, wearing glam rock and, and, and satin and platform shoes. A little bit taller. <laughs> Way taller. Yeah. And he looked taller. like a, you know, he, he was, he looked weird. He was a drummer uh, man looked, then, right? Say again? He was a drummer man. He was a drummer, but he had a, he was a singer in a band called Sniper for a while. Okay. Okay. okay so he was drummer in the Ramones. Okay. Yeah. Sniper, right. And it was kind of a glam rock band? Yes. And, uh, well, you know, a lot of punk comes out of glam, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I, you know, me and Dee Boone's first gig was T-Rex. Uh, uh, there was something about it that was, I think, get, trying to get back to Lil Richard and Jerry Lee Lewis. You know what I mean? And, uh, and also an antidote to the Nuremberg Rally uh, arena rock shit. <laughs> Nuremberg Valley. That's uh, that's that's accurate. That's weird. Yeah. That's, weird. <laughs> that's weird. But but because <laughs> I'm kind of in those times, I'm not as uh, sophisto as you. But I could. Yeah, 
it's nothing. People, if the last 40, 50 years, you're just in another mentality because this 70s thing was lame. It was just lame. There was no farm farm team system. <laughs> no triple A, double A. Not, not until punk rock took right, over and everything. Right. First it was like Boston, Toronto, San Francisco, LA had clubs. And then they started getting more. When you, when you came up, yeah. There was sort of the uh, uh, little clubs, you know, when you first, when you, when the, the Minutemen first started touring. Right. Then there well, was a series well, of clubs. Black Flag helped build that circuit. And they took us, yes. our first tours was opening for them. They were, people don't uh, really give those guys credit. They they literally created the, the circuit we still tour on. Right. Yeah. That's true. And, you know, it was hard to play clubs. A lot of them were ethnic halls. You know, people didn't know the Ukrainian hall, Polish hall. Italian American mm-hmm. club, yeah, because the rock and rollers, so, well, guys who called themselves rock and rollers, some of them hated the movement. They thought it was jive. Well, everything's jive <laughs> to some extent, <laughs> but they're they're just as fucking jive. Is <laughs> my answer to them. But man, I mean, and so you played a lot of discos. I know the big gigs in New York City. Right, a tour was like going to New York City and turning around for us, and so it'd be like Peppermint Lounge or Danceteria. But those were the yeah. biggest gigs ever, you know, for us at that, at that time. So, but think about dictators. You guys are a little bit before that, right? Where they call us the missing link. <laughs> <laughs> and the missing link usually misses out on a lot of opportunity. Yeah. Well, yeah, kind of, because our record came out in 70, our first record came out in 75 and, uh, you know, just the CBG was just starting to, you know, book bands. And uh, then the, in 76 is when the punk rock thing started to happen in New York. Right, right. And right. that's when Ramones put out their first record. So, uh, yeah, we, 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 you know, we're known for our bad timing, dictators. <laughs> but, I mean, there's there's all kinds of examples of that through history and shit. And they're hard to remember because they get fucking airbrushed out, you know, but... Uh, I knew you know what, what? guys. I'll tell you why I knew. Cream Magazine. That's how yes. I knew. Yes. Yeah, they were they were very uh, supportive of us. But you know, you know, I, I'm, I'm making I'm making light of the situation. You know, we we had bad timing. We never had hit records, but we were able to tour the world and able to make music. And I'm able to continue to make music. And that's the blessing is to make music yeah, every day. Absolutely. You make music. It's a good day. I'm, I'm right with you, Eddie. Look, we're at the end of the first hour, August 17, 2021 edition. Wap Peter, so special guest, Eddie. Share it off. Hold tight for our Yo. two. August 17, 2021. It's the second hour of Wap from Pedro Show.
Take it away! 
show start off the second hour with avenue a by the dictators now the way i know the avenue what they called them yeah alphabet it was like drogas it was heavy criminal no yes okay. <laughs> okay. You, didn't go, you don't go past you didn't go past first avenue because yeah. avenue a was not so good 
Avenue B was full on drugs. Avenue C was you got a knife in your throat. <laughs> the the, the corner the corner of get stabbed and get shot. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, then we had a Sam Lock Ward featuring Shane Hickey. Everything is not okay out of uh, Iowa City. Uh, Bob Buckle from nearby Bob Buckle Jr. from nearby Dubuque. Always home. Dictators stay. I dig this tune. Lucas Sabella, Corvette, the other version out of Sydney. And then finally, goddamn New York, the dictators. Yeah, there was this kind of... Tell people about 70s New York. This kind of goes with Avenue A, right? Yes, Avenue A is the story of the uh, gentrification of New York City. Uh, So in the 70s, the city was bankrupt. Um, There were huge swaths of the city that uh, buildings just demolished and open rubble and dr- open drugs and open prostitution. And that's meant cheap rents. And that meant the artists came to New York, the filmmakers, the, the, the visual artists, Richard, Hell. Talk- Richard, Hell, all these guys, people came to New York and they got these apartments paying a hundred dollars, two hundred dollars a month rent. Richard, told also- me sometimes the landlord didn't even come by. Landlord is probably <laughs> abandoning the building sometimes. <laughs> but it also meant that CBGB's, was, which was in, way on, on the Bowery in the bum, the worst neighborhood in New York City, and bands could play there, and no record companies came by for a year. <laughs> it was just you, you would play a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, two sets a night. So you're playing six shows a weekend. Now, previously, Dictators, we wouldn't do six shows over six months. <laughs> so so uh, CBGB's was allowing everybody to, to sort of get their act together out of the limelight, you know? You know, Richard was, told me he got the idea from the New York Dolls doing that Mercer Arts Center. It was like the idea of the residency. Or was it was it Hilly's idea? Oh. Uh, about wait about CBGBs yeah, about making a stand like you're saying you know six shows a weekend. I think he well he didn't want to he wanted people doing original music because he didn't want to pay the ASCAP and BMI money. But I think uh, <laughs> uh, Richard Lloyd from television is the guy who kind of discovered CBGBs and said, "Hey, let, let's uh, I got a band called Television. Can we play here?" And then after that, Ramones came in and Blondie. Uh, and the stilettos, all these other bands came in. Talking heads. Yep, a little bit later. Yeah. A little bit later. Yeah. Uh, Television Patty got even later. Minuteman. You know, I worked for Hilly a bunch of times. You know, he was a he was a character. So, but uh, let, let's talk about the arc of the dictators. Okay. From from this point on, where was the band going? Okay, from uh, CB in the late 70s? Yeah, yeah. Well, we got re-signed to Electra Asylum, made two more records, uh, didn't sell any records, got dropped, you know, singers on drugs. So <laughs> a few years of, uh, of, uh, of not playing that much. And then we started playing, you know, Every, every few years we do a show at CBGB's or uh, 
We played the Ritz. We'd do a few shows. And then um, in 1994, we, uh, a, a promoter from Spain saw us do a show at CBGB's. And he goes, hey, I want you to do a tour of Spain. We go, okay. We tour Spain. He says, successful tour. Hey, I want you to come back. A guy from, from Scandinavia says, I hear you're coming to Spain. Why don't you do Scandinavia at the same time you're doing Spain? So we did Spain and Scandinavia. And from there, it sort of, uh, you know, snowballed into, obviously, okay, the audience has developed. I credit a lot of it to the book, Please Kill Me. Oh, yeah. And, Legs. And the oh. bands, uh, Green Day and Offspring, all these offspring became popular. People started getting interested in the roots of rock and roll. So we were touring a lot, and we eventually put in, I wrote new songs, put out a record in uh, 2001 uh, of new material. record is called DFFD, and uh, played a little bit more, and then, you know, we sort of uh, uh, combusted again, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Until more recently. Okay, so that's the arc. <laughs> that's good. That's the arc. Look, you know, it's a spinal tap kind right, of thing. Right, right, you know? right. But then there's this other chapter. You gave me some Ramones, so I want to play Going to Be All Right. <laughs>
show that chunk of music start off the moans is gonna be all right then manuel armida he's from mexico city but he lives up yellow knife northwest territory canada la scuola pet bottle ninja after that with creatures of habit victor timofi from the ukraine with the racing and finally the ramones with ignorance is bliss now people these ramones songs co-written by adney and joey that's true. Well, enlighten the listeners there. Um, <clears throat> I don't know. Uh, at some point in the 80s, you know, there was a lot of friction in the band uh, between Joey and Johnny. That's, everybody knows that. D.D. Mm-hmm. wanted to get out of the band. He wanted to be a rapper. And I think they were losing inspiration. And... Uh, so Joey calls me up one day and says, hey, let's write some songs together. So uh, we wrote some songs together. You know, some, some they recorded, some they didn't. Uh, and uh, Joey always started playing, and he, he was starting to play outside the Ramones. And he had a band called The Resistance I played yep. bass for. And eventually he did his solo record, and I played on his solo, his solo record, uh, which was recorded while he was sick. So he was. Oh yeah, the final. Now, 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 did you meet Joey at that Coventry Club you were talking about when you saw that taller guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wasn't friendly with him then. I was. He was a guy. I would see him all the time. I go, hey, hey, hey. And then I saw a picture of the Ramones on a lamppost in East Village. The Ramones, and there's that guy. I said, this guy's singing in a band. I got to see it. 
And I went to see them back. This is in 70, I think 75, I think. One of the very early shows at CBGB's, Blondie opened up. Maybe 15 people in the audience. And Blondie, they were not good. I th- I thought, these guys, I said, that band has no chance of success. Um, <laughs> and the Rolls come on, and they played, you know, 10 songs in 15 minutes. You know? <laughs> And uh, you know, and this is this is in the seventies. I'm sitting through drum solos longer yeah. than that. Yeah, right. You know? That was my first was, uh, experience seeing him at the whiskey. It was like twenty minutes, twenty five minutes, and I'm used to these three hour fucking gigs. I liked it. They were great. I liked them. I didn't know they were going to change the world, but they were great. And they knew the dictators. They knew our record. We were friendly with them. And over the years, we played shows with them. And, you know, I became friendly with all of of them, but but Joey was always my main man. Now, it was important about Didi, right? Because he wrote most of the tunes. He he wrote a lot of the songs, but Joey wrote uh, Sheena's Punk Rocker. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He wrote Beat on the Brat. I think Didi even wrote some songs when he was out of the band. He did. He did write songs out of the band. The guy who couldn't write songs was Johnny, right? No, Johnny didn't write that. Havana Affair, I think, is the only one, maybe. Yeah, he had it. But, uh, uh, you know, and uh, Tommy, Tommy wrote um, I Want to Be Your Boyfriend, and Tommy wrote Blitzkrieg Bop also. Oh, yeah, well, Tommy, I think he did also the lead guitar shit, right? He did some. Because me and Clint Burke were talking about Blondie, but I got to do the first album when I borrowed your bass with Clem Burke at the Ritz. It was called Webster Hall or something, yeah. And Sheena really, shows up not knowing any of the tunes. <laughs> who, who showed up not knowing the song? Sheena. Really? I oh wouldn't shit you about that. <laughs> He's a nice guy, though. I love him. Oh, she's great. Love yeah, Cheetah. Yeah. Absolutely but great guy. If you're going to really? do, you're going to do the whole first Ramones album on their 40th birthday. Learn the tunes, dude. Fucking Clem yeah. came down to my prac pad here in Pedro, like seven or eight times, all the way from the Val to prac with me. That guy is beautiful. Beautiful yeah. guy, Clem Burke. Great drummer. Great yeah. drummer. Look, we're at the end of... Yeah, and a great drummer, too. Really. And it was an honor for you to play my bass. Oh, Let man, me say I that. Lo- I love your bass. Uh, Badass bridge. Look, we're at the end of the second hour. August 17, 2021. Dish Wap Pedro Show Special Guest Adam. Share it off. Hold tight for hour three. August 17, 2021. It's the third hour. Wap for Pedro Show. <laughs> When Johnny hit the opening chord 
said, we know it's a school night. We know you're not really partying as much as you did Tuesday night. It is Wednesday night. Party hard on Tuesday night. Party hard on Wednesday night. Party hard on Thursday night. Party hard on Friday night. Party hard on Saturday night. Party hard on Sunday night. Party hard on Monday night. Tuesday comes around. Do it all over again. This song is called Punk Rock Dream. Because you're sleeping a lot too, so you have a punk rock dream every now and then. One, two, three, four. Rock dream Just Because They didn't amount They didn't amount to that symbol hard for you and I deaden it quickly for you. Example. I do that for you.
Stop thinking about it. Stop thinking about it. Stop thinking about it. Stop thinking about it. The thrill is driving me crazy. Obsessing, don't you know what that's in?
Trade or anything like that. Buy them to use. Well, you hear that, people? 
Adney's enlightenment to the fact he only buys stuff he uses. He's not a shit hoarder. That's right. Right. Okay. So if he ain't using it, it's out there. So maybe somebody else can write the next Blitzkrieg bop. Let's <laughs> get the band back together. Okay. We started the third hour off with Adney Shirnoff doing Sweet Joe. This is a song you wrote for Joey. And then Sweet Ipawana, Joey? Yeah. If Bawana yes. after that, uh, Al Margolis up in Chester, New York, another up the river Hamlet from my heart directly. Babes, New York City, Punk Rock, Dream Live, uh, Shugo Tokumaru with Typewriter. Stop Thinking About It from Joey Ramone. I think this is one you helped co write, right? Uh, Chico Libre, Un Shipibo uh, in España. Promises for public record, and then finally, what a wor wonderful world, which uh, Satch did, uh, but Joy has a beautiful uh, version too. So, uh, when you wrote this song, this ain't too uh, long ago when you did this song for Joey, right? Which one? Something about it? Sweet Joey. Sweet Joey, yeah. Uh, that's a few years ago, and I made a video, I made a really good video. You know, uh, people send me emails saying they cry after they saw it. But uh, I, I don't know. I just I just felt I had to write something f about Joey, you know. Yeah. And I think I captured, you know, his personality in there. Um, yeah, that was four years ago, three, four years ago. And then stop thinking about it. It was like around the same batch as the ignorance is bliss and it's going to be all right. No, that was that was after. Okay. Ignorance was that was uh those were written uh back in around 1990 91 for the Brain Drain record. Um the uh stop thinking about it was for first solo record that was released in 2000 wait, he thought 2001. Yeah. Probably released 2002, so we probably wrote that in around 2000ish or so when we when we were recording it. So he was sick. Well, he was he was getting treatments, but he was getting better. Okay. As that you know, he was healthy. Sometimes he was healthy. And we did two shows. Uh with me, Marky, and Daniel Ray on guitar oh. at at uh CBGB's, one show at CBGB's and one show at the Continental. He wasn't ready to tour, but he, we did two shows locally. Okay. Okay. And then what about on the Adney uh, music thing? What were you doing at the same time? Um, I was producing records. I was producing bands. The dictator thing was gone by. The, we're talking early two thousand. So, so a producer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what, 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 how'd you like that gig, producer? Producing. Hey, you know, I was just, just looking to pay the bills. You know. <laughs> okay, okay, I understand that part. But no, what about I'm, the actual act? Of I like it? I like making music. I like making records. But you know. Um, I'm not making, I'm not having hits. So if I'm not performing, I'm either trying to write a song or I'm trying to make a record. You know, I just want to make music to pay my bills. That's That was my goal. I know, but uh, I mean, there's ways, like playing bass is one way, writing songs another way, producing is another way. Uh, right. Producing... So you gotta, you gotta, I got to balance. I do all three. So a little bit of money here. Okay, the gigs dry up. You know, right, I produce right, right. the band. Yeah. That dries up. I'm, I'm writing a song, and you know I was able to get some songs, a lot of songs in movies and TV shows. So, you know, I've been pretty lucky to to, 
to uh, well, producing bands. It takes some like people skill, right? People skill, and it's a lot of work. Yeah, producing a, yeah, a lot of work. Yeah, that's why I asked you about that because man. from pre-production to recording to mixing to to mastering, you know, it's 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 a lot of time. Right, right. And uh, you think that's changed with all the home recording? Totally changed. Okay. Dictators, we all record in our ha in our homes and trade files. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Watt does a lot of that. Look, uh, you got a project called The Master Plan, and you sent me some music. I want to play barbecue. Or BBQ. Uh -huh. Great, great. <laughs>
Watch for Pedro Show. That Chuck and Music started with the Master Plan doing BBQ. Then we had 191230 the day before the last day. This is part two of three with this tricephalus collab out of Berlin. Picciato. And an uh, Irish friend of theirs. And then finally, the master plan with 14th Street. So tell me about the master plan. Well, <clears throat> just some buddies of mine, and uh, we just decided to, you know, make some music for fun. Uh, it's uh, Keith Strang from the Flesh Tones, um, who I went to high school with. Uh, Bill Milheiser, who drums in the Flesh Tones, and uh, my buddy Paul Johnson, and it was just hey, Paul had a had a studio in his basement, and we just went down there, banged things out. We made two records. We done some. We did three tours of Europe. We played U.S. basically to have a good time. I think the music uh, represents that. And the intro, uh, we are about to do another single because Keith Strang lives in Sweden. He's coming to New York in September, and we got a we're gonna do a few days in the studio and uh, record a few tunes. So we'll see what happens again. Now, is the dynamic different than uh, Dictate? Are you writing all the material? No, no. Every this is this is it's a lot of fun. Everybody writes, everybody sings, everybody plays, and it's a lot. It's a lot looser uh, than the Dictators. A lot. It's a little more. Let's have fun. You know, no, uh, no, no attitudes or anything like that. It was. It's. It's really. A, it's like a vacation. Like uh, cutting down on the drama. Yes. No drama. <laughs> no drama in that band. <laughs> All right, so you think over the years you've learned something about being in a band, man. I'd say I have a PhD in being in a band. <laughs> That's fucking great. That's great. Because, you know, remember I, we were talking about producing and people skills. Actually, just being in a band requires people skills. Huh? It's like being married to four or five people, you know, depending on. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Okay. So right now, is that your the master plan? Is your current baby? No, it hasn't been. But uh, dictators are my baby now because. Whoa, uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. We're 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 putting out another song. Um, we're doing a video uh, on Thursday actually for our new song. And who's in the band? <clears throat> it's Ross the Boss, Albert Bouchard. Whoa. And yeah, Albert's in the band. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Scott Kempner was in the band. Scott Kempner, the original guitar player from Dictators, yeah. he's got some health yeah. issues. So we just got a new guy in the band. This guy Keith Roth from Jersey, and he he's got a, he's a DJ on Sirius, and he's played in a lot of bands, and he he's kind of fitting really really smoothly. So I'm I'm pretty positive about the band right now. And how would you compare it? Well, you say you got a song, right? Why didn't you give it to me? A song? Yeah. You said you're coming out with a dictator song. Uh, a new song, yeah. And it'll be out in September. We're doing a video on Thursday. And what's it yes. called? Well, I, I can't tell you. It's okay, kind of okay, secret. okay. Yeah, you'd have to shoot me. It's a cover. Oh, wow. Or a reinterpretation? Yes, an interpretation. Yeah. I'm going to tell you. Because when, when will this be up on the internet? About an hour and a half. Oh, really? Okay, I don't want to say yet, but it's a cover of a of a band that you would never expect the Dictators to cover. That's all I will say. Okay, okay. Who came up with the name for the band? Because um, you said I, you went through a lot of them, right, Tommy the Truck? We we had a list of names. I don't really remember. I could say me and take the credit, but I, I don't I don't really remember. Okay. We just had a list of names, and then we like Dictators. It just sounded macho, you know. So we 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 like that. Yeah, we used to have a joke. We in here, at Pedro, we'd say "dickators." Dickators. 
like eating, uh, past tense of eat. Yeah, we're idiots. Yep. Yeah, slow learners here in Pedro. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, Ed. Look, I, I can't wait to see the video. I can't see and Albert will be playing with you in it, right? Sorry, say again? Albert will be playing with you in that video. I can't wait to see this. He's already in the we have two videos up for uh, goddamn New York and let's get the band back together. Uh okay. so you can check it out if you want to see that. Yeah, sure, and, sure. And the new one will no, be what, what, up. where are you on the is there a dictator's website? Uh there's an old website. We're revamping it. And so what, what's the URL? It's uh the the uh the dictators dot com. But it's not it, it's look it's like it looks like an antique website from like the <laughs> yeah. it's from seventeen hundreds. What were they called? <laughs> Angel Fire. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Look, man, uh whatever you got coming, please come back on the show when you got it because I really oh, enjoyed spilling with you big time. Thank you so much, Andy. Truly. Mike, uh, an honor and a pleasure. I love your enthusiasm. I love uh, how you, you you're exposing all these you know unknown bands on on your on your podcast and uh, I never you know. use the p word but it's my debt to the movement to expose like you say right yeah, and and it, uh, you know I just I I I um you're my compadre because you play music because there's nothing else you would rather do than play music and that's, that's right. how it's I, a lifeline it's a lifeline it's a lifeline thank absolutely you so much people thanks, it's buddy. been august 17 2021 edition of wapidio show thank you brother adney keep your powder dry